Hey champions, this is your weekly podcast about Genesis Battle of Champions. And in this cast, we talk about everything related to game design, development, testing, and more for Genesis. I'm Asid, your host and the creator of the game. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Hey champions, this is Asid. And in this podcast, I want to address two questions that I get quite often. Does Genesis have mulligans? And can we sideboard in a tournament? One of these questions has a clean answer to it, and the other one's a bit more tricky. So let's start by talking about mulliganing and why it doesn't exist in the game. Let me start by addressing what mulligans are. Many people know this from playing Magic or other collectible card games, but it really started from Gulp. So taking from Wikipedia, a mulligan is a second chance to perform an action, usually after the first chance went wrong, through bad luck or blunder. So this can happen in games like Magic, where you draw a hand of all lands, or a hand of no lands at all. Also in Pokemon, where you draw a hand with no starting Pokemon. At that point, those games are completely unplayable, and it's better to have a mulligan rule than to have the game counted as a loss. But looking back at how we started and launched Genesis, we honestly didn't think competitive play was going to start so soon. So the rules around mulligans wasn't considered at that time. Also, I thought about how Magic didn't have any mulligan rules at the very beginning, so there was no real rush for us to think of something right away. We could wait until the competitive scene started, and then we could implement the rule, especially with the launch of Welcome to Jaylara, where we're going to try to clean up the rules a little bit more for competitive play. However, as many of you have heard in the previous cast, we actually jumped straight into competitive play right after the launch of the game. So all of a sudden, the question about mulliganing came up over and over again, and we needed a serious answer for that. At this time, I had started our game design team, and it was just two or three of us, and this was a great chance for us to start debating this topic and try growing as a team over a common decision about how we should change the rules. So right from the beginning, after uh, some conversation and debating, we had five key ideas. So the first was the standard mulliganing rules based off of magic. Uh, This would have been very clean and simple to pull off because we already know what it is. Uh, There's also the Paris mulligans or the 20 score mulligan. And then the other two we looked at were constructing partial opening hands or constructing your full opening hand. So the idea of borrowing magic's mulligan rule didn't feel right for me. I knew it would work, but I wanted to try something different, some other options, before settling at that one. Because we had a few on the table, so there's no point in just picking something that someone else did, just because we know it works. We should try to figure out what really worked for our game before picking someone else's idea. So the other two ideas were the Paris Mulligan and the 20 score Mulligan. So the Paris Mulligan is where you draw your opening hand pick the cards you want to keep and shuffle the remaining back into your deck and then draw that mini. So if you had an opening hand with two really great cards and the the remaining three weren't the greatest, then you could shuffle those three back into your deck, draw three more cards, and then that would be your new opening hand of five. So that was one idea. And the other was the 20 score mulligan. This was proposed by my brother and his friend as they were playing games, they were realizing every now and then you draw a hand of all your lowest chi cards, and this really hurt. So if you had an opening hand that summed up to 20 or less, you showed it to your opponent, you shuffled it back into your deck, and you drew a new one. 
we tested both of these ideas internally as well. And though they worked, they didn't resonate for me. And there was just something in my core that was saying, this isn't right. But I couldn't put my finger on it. And I'm not, well, I'm one of those people that if I can't explicitly tell you why I don't like an idea, then I don't want to jump into it right away. I'd rather do some exploration or give myself some time to actually think about it and then come up with a solution later. So with not knowing why I didn't like them, but also having a few more ideas on the table, we decided to explore those other two ideas. So we had um, the constructed opening hand idea. So these are in two parts, either the partial constructed opening hand or the full constructed opening hand. So the partial was something along the lines of, you look through your timeline for three cards, set them aside, shuffle your timeline, and then draw two cards, and that would be opening hand of five. So you guaranteed three cards that would be in your opening hand every single time, and then two that would be random. And these ratios change. Sometimes we did two and three, sometimes we did one and four, or four and one. Uh, eventually it got to the point where we decided to try out what happens if you constructed your entire opening hand. And that was an idea that we explored quite a bit. We actually got really excited about this, and this almost became a full rule set until we sat down and, well, it was my brother who pointed this out, but uh, all, thinking about it kind of really on the logical core of it, your opening hand is five cards, and the average game goes five to six rounds, which means on average you play about 11 to 12, 10 to 12 cards from your timeline each game. Five of those being from your opening hand, meaning that 50% of your the cards you play are from your just from your opening hand. And this is a huge um, imbalance of the game because if you start with an opening hand and you know you want to start your opening hand every single game with like five angels, then you could do this every single time. And this seemed really great because you know you would be able to also have the upper leg, but so could your opponent. Your opponent could be like, oh, I know you're going to be running angels, so I'm going to go search my deck for my perfect counters to that. Like, maybe they'll grab an unhinged, or maybe they will keep a bunch of rain of arrows, or something like that. Whatever they know is their perfect counter to that. So it seems like it balanced things out really well, but at the end of the day, uh, all these ideas had their pros and cons, and the game design team liked or disliked each of them, and we debated about them over and over and over again. But finally, that thing in my gut that was telling me that I couldn't articulate at first, and I couldn't figure out the reason of, came to the surface. And mulliganing and all this constructed opening hand stuff really flew in the face and the opposition of one of the key features of Genesis, the timeline construction. So it really comes down to the fact that players in Genesis have a lot more control over deck building than they do in other games. The rules on what you can or cannot put into your deck uh, does not impact your consistency of play for those cards. So what I mean by this is the fact that your resources for your gameplay do not go into your deck. So that means you're not bounded on making sure, do I have my resources every single game? Am I consistent with them? Also, the number of copies of a card that go into your deck are more or less up to your discretion. You don't, you're not bounded by saying, I cannot have more than three copies of this, or two copies, or uh, you know, four copies of this card. You can put in as many copies as you want. So your deck uh, construction, your timeline construction, can be as flexible as you want it to be, or as consistent as you want it to be. Are you looking for breadth, or are you looking for depth? 
Are you looking for um, the ability to handle everything that's thrown your way? Or do you just want your one strategy to work consistently every single game? And at the end of the day, that is up to you as a as the timeline constructor, as the champion. You get to choose this. And all these mulliganing rules, we're going to oppose that. Because if you chose to make your deck in such a way that you had a bad opening hand, then really the fault is on you, not on the game. Right? You're the one who chose to be able to put, like you put eight three cheese in your deck, so really the odds of you having an opening hand where you draw five three cheese are high compared to if you only run four three cheese cards in your deck, then it's impossible for you to have an opening hand of only three cheese cards. It's impossible. So a lot of the ownership comes onto you. If you want to make a deck that is 25 cards out of sevens, and 25 cards out of three, then you need to recognize that 50% of your deck is a 50-50 chance of working the way you want it. It's more or less flipping a coin. And But on the other hand, if you make a deck of all hunting hound or all guided arrows or what have you at 5G, then you know what you'll be drawing each turn. You know how consistent your deck will be. And that ownership, that power, comes with a trade-off. We need to take out mulligan. Because we needed to make it that if you designed your deck in such a way that it didn't work under a particular strategy, that you should be tweaking your deck to make it work. It shouldn't be the game's ownership to try to fix things for you. So, and I know at the end of the day, a lot of people are going to dislike this idea. They're going to feel cheated in certain ways. They're going to feel that the game is, uh, there's no way to redeem yourself. But this is what happens when you make a game that's more based over strategy than luck. Um, actually, if you really dig into it, uh, the whole entire conversation about strategy versus luck, it's actually a very, very interesting topic. And also it comes down to how you define luck. Some people are going to say, well, there's if you make a deck of 50 hunting hounds, there's no luck to your deck. You know what you're going to draw each turn. But there is, because you don't know what your opponent's going to do each game. So the odds that your deck's going to win some games and lose some games is also come down to your opponent. So there is some luck to it. Is a game like chess 100% strategy or is there some luck in it? There is because you don't know what your opponent's going to do. And a lot of great game designers actually talk about this quite thoroughly. One of my favorite podcasts actually comes from Mark Rosewater where he talks about strategy and luck. And it's you may not like this system in Genesis, but it's actually a really core part to how I wanted, how I conceived the timeline construction to be in Genesis. And I wanted players, the players who really like this game are the ones who are going to look at this and say, I drew a bad opening hand. This was on me. This wasn't on the game. This wasn't on my opponent. The ownership is not on anyone else. This is on me to try to get better as a player. I need to build my deck in such a way that it won't do this. And this is why... There's actually really interesting conversations about when you put in a seven, do you put in two fours or do you put in one three? Because yeah, putting in two fours, it means that on average, you might draw four more often than you draw seven, but fours are stronger than threes. So would you rather have a, cons a higher chance of drawing your fourth or would you rather have a 50-50 chance of getting your seven? Or the other conversation that I, I often bring up is like, this is one of my one of the reasons why I think the sixth cheese slot is so coveted, is because 
you can put in one three and two sixes and that balances out. So the question is, do you, would you rather have um, a one in a two and three chance, or a sixty-six percent chance of drawing a six, or would you rather draw have a fifty-fifty chance of not of um, drawing a four, right? Like, how much do you dislike your threes, or how much do you like your fours? And this conversation actually applies into Genesis so much. So. The players who I was trying to target with this game are the people who would appreciate this level of complexity and strategy compared to the players who'd rather, uh, you know, not think about the strategy side as much and just get the game going. And for those players, we the game is still fun, and I recommend not running too many sevens or too many threes because then you're gonna have kind of a poor experience every now and then. But the players who we really want to see on the high end are the players who really appreciate that level of strategy. Um, and it goes for every game. Every game has some sort of aspect that players obsess about, and the game designers do that consciously. They want players who appreciate that level of complexity in their game. Now, I'm looking at the time. I realize we don't have enough time to continue on to the second question. So next week, I'll tackle the question about sideboards and why they don't exist in the game. And really, that's the one that is a lot more complex and we are trying to work on still, but it might take a little bit of time. That's it for now. As always, leave comments below. Let me know what you think about this or if you have any other topics you want me to address. Uh, and I don't say this often, but if you want to get more details, if you want to be more involved in the process and you want to get also regular promos and rewards, consider joining our Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate it, and the Patreons help so much. Right now, the Patreons, they're basically fueling our ability to get the art done on time for Welcome to JLara. And for that, I love all you Patreons. You helped us really become a possibility. Uh, so if you are on the debate about joining Patreon, note that if you join our 20 level tier in your first reward, then you'll get a signed copy of either Angel of Retribution signed by Leslie, or you'll get a copy of um, Purifying Waves signed by Damian. So those are also really, really cool to have in your possession. We also have additional promos that we're giving out besides the monthly promos. So if you haven't got like an early copy of the Skycon uh, Giant Scorpion promo, we still have those. And if you want one, just join Patreon and request for it. Uh, or if we also have some tsunamis left over from Skycon, uh, then these are full art tsunamis. So these are great things to also get in your collection, and it helps us so much having uh, having more patrons. So just want to put that out there. I think that's everything, so bye for now. Thank you. That's everything for this week's cast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any topic ideas for future casts, make sure you let us know by emailing us at contactus at hauntedcastlegaming.com. Bye for now.